Hello, hello, and happy October 1st. How crazy is it that it is October? Uh, September flew by, and I feel like we just say that for every single month. It just seems like all the months are flying by. Um, maybe that's just because we're getting old or because we're too busy in our lives, but uh, yeah, I can't believe it's October. There's uh, three months left of this year, so maybe we should all take a second to figure out how we want to finish 2019. And this is not a podcast about um, like goal setting or finding yourself or anything like that, even though I love that kind of stuff, but we won't go into it. But today I did decide to create a budget for Q4, which I've never done before. Usually I just like, I'm aware of like where my money's going kind of, um, but I did my Q3 taxes yesterday, super on time, even before they were due which is something that I've also never done. And I realized that I spend a lot of money on just useless things. So Q3, I mean Q4, cutting back, only spending money on what is necessary and just trying to figure, finish this year off, um, not stressed about money. That is the goal. That is my pre-New Year's resolution, Q4, be prepared for tax season in 2020. That's that's the ultimate goal because it really did me in this year and I'm still recovering from that. So that's that's the plan. And it's actually, which I didn't even plan this, like honestly didn't even plan this, but today's guest that I have for you is a co-founder of a accounting firm. So it fits quite nicely into Q4 starting off, Here's how, why you should be budgeting. If you're thinking about starting a business, he has all the tips and tricks for you. Um, Quan Lee is the co-founder of McRally LLP and Evil Corp Brewing because you should have balance in life. He took both his passions, which uh, are numbers. He has a lot of schooling actually in like economics and tax. And very impressive, but definitely not one of my interests. However, he has done quite well with it. So he's balancing numbers and beer and he's created a life that works for him. He shares his journey of going from a stable six-figure job to having to rent out his him and his wife. They were in it together, but they had to rent out their apartment uh, and just to make things work while building his budget or building his business. Quan explains why budgeting is so important and the sacrifices you'll have to make if you want to become an entrepreneur. He talks finances and the biggest challenges small business owners face when it comes to their books and how to avoid them. What you should have in place ideally before you quit your nine to five. Quan also talks about why he decided to start a beer company, how his skills from his first business transferred over and the process of creating the perfect beer. Turns out there is such thing as creating and making too much beer. They had to start throwing some of it out because they just had too much of it. So we talk about that. It's very interesting um, just to see the differences in types of business and how he's managed to grow both of them. We talk about managing priorities and time and using the number of hours in a day beneficially to reach our goals. It's just like that quote or meme or whatever that says Beyonce only has 24 hours in a day. We actually don't ever talk about that quote, but for me, that's what this whole thing was about. Um, we agree, as you will hear when you listen to it, that watching, binging on Netflix series and wasting your time 
on things like that just isn't great if you have bigger goals and ambitions in your life. Um, he shares lots of books and podcasts and things that he listens to to motivate himself and where he's learned learned lots of things that he applies to his day. So this was an awesome episode. I really liked it, so I'm sure you will also gain a lot from it, especially if you have a small business, starting a small business, need a budget like myself. Um, it's it's an awesome episode. So let's just jump into it. I feel like I'm rambling. So this is Kwan Lee. Welcome back to the podcast. I am Do you want to start with introducing yourself and give us two fun facts? Yeah, sure. I'm a local entrepreneur. I was uh, raised here in Calgary, but I was born in Indonesia. Oh, yeah, I'm here. Um, my parents were refugees from from Vietnam, and yeah, we were sponsored by the government back in '86, and I've been here for 33 years. Uh, yeah, another fun fact, I guess, is I tried to eat 10,000 calories in 12 hours a couple of years ago, oh and that God. was like a terrible, terrible experience. Could you do it? I watched. I, I failed videos. so hard. Did you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How many calories did you get to? You I think that? I got to around 7,000 calories. That's yeah. Crazy. And you couldn't, like, you just I thought I could do it with just eating Big Macs, but. Yeah, you can't. You know, hell no. <laughs> crazy. Because I've yeah. actually watched YouTube videos and they, like, do it. Yeah, people can do it quite easily, but yeah. I, I guess I just don't have the same appetite. Yeah. I mean, it's probably good that you can't. Like, I was going on a treadmill and yeah. trying to burn off some of the calories and. Yeah. yeah Things, food gets really disgusting once you're up there. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. How do you feel the next day? I felt fine. Did I felt you? fine okay. because I, you know, I tapped out quite early. Right. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> fun. <laughs> I did use up the full 12 hours though, so. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess if you ever want to challenge yourself, you could try to beat your. Oh, your no, record. it's a terrible challenge. I'll never do that again. And I don't recommend anyone do it. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're looking for the clickbait, there's no reason to yeah. do that. <laughs> Um, and before we get into what you do now, what did you take in school and what was your like initial career path? Yeah, so I went to the University of Alberta in Edmonton. I took uh, business, did a commerce degree, uh, focused on finance, accounting, and, and economics. So three number subjects. <laughs> but there's a lot of like um, other like big picture thinking um, that goes along with that. And I, I, think, I think that's what I would attribute a lot of the way I think now and my success is it, it, it somehow ties back into all that. Um, after that, I, I did my CA designation. So, you know, that's a two-year program that you go through and then you write a three-day exam at the end of it. And you're doing this while you're working your, you know, 14, 16-hour days at work. Great. Uh, and then after that, I did a master's degree in, in tax uh, through wow. the University of Denver. Sounds and that took me about two and a half, three years. And I just finished, I'm 34 now, and I just finished another uh, three-year tax program uh, this last summer. So I, I haven't stopped going to school since university. Like it's been, I've had courses or things to do every uh, every semester wow. for the last 12 years. Yeah, and are you done? Are you <laughs> I'm done for now. There, there are additional courses that I can take within my field of study. Um, but I, I think I'm going to take a bit, bit of a break. Yeah. <laughs> maybe focus on beer a little bit more. There's 
a peer judge certificate certification program that I can do. So, you know, that might take me another year and a half to do. Right. So, stack of books that I need to get through and a water beer I need to drink. I mean, there's worse things you could be doing. Yeah. Like absolutely. studying tax. The beer sounds <laughs> way more interesting. interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so you mentioned the beer, but you have two companies. So you have Mick Rally and Evil Corporate. So they're very different, which we'll get into for why you started them. But can you talk about when you started and why you decided to quit your job and kind of the process of that? Yeah, so McRally was my first, was the first business I started. It was about just almost five years ago now, so back in 2015. Um, I had the idea to start my own firm or start my own business at one point. And uh, it just happened to be account, an accounting business that, that made the most sense for where I was at. And I was at, I was at a point in my career at, at a big four accounting firm where, where I was confident in my abilities and I was uh, basically running a, my own business within the business. And, and uh, so I got, I got to the point where I was ready to really venture off and, and do my own thing. And so the, the excitement after a certain point really took over and accelerated that my, my exit from the company. Um, you know, I didn't burn any bridges. I, I gave plenty of notice, like three, four months notice, which is probably unheard of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's been good because, because those relationships that I maintained um, came back to help us, you know, a year or two years down the road, we, we still get referrals from, from my previous employer. Um, but ultimately, I, I think the journey and why I decided to take that on, it was more about creating a life that I wanted to live um, down to like each and every moment. It's, it's very deliberate and very purposeful. And that's why I wanted out of my life. And that's why I, I, I thought, well, you know, there's no... No one else is gonna give that to you, so you have to go out there and earn, like, build it for yourself. Right? Did you? I feel like when I when I quit my job, it was basically the same reasons that I hate like fake work and like commuting and all that. Like I wasn't into that. But did you find that when you were starting the company, you were working way more than you like thought you were going to? Like, or were you just like excited enough that it was it didn't matter? A bit of both. Um, yeah, you do you do work a heck of a lot, but you know that there's payoff at the end of the day and, and you are doing it for yourself. Like every, every person you help, like I work with business owners um, and I know that when I can solve their problems, I'm helping them personally. Whereas at a bigger firm, when you're working with like a public company, there's really no face to that company. You don't know who you're, whose life, life you're making better. You're really just like increasing value for shareholders, I guess. But it's not. Um, it's too. The, the benefit is too far removed. I think from from your your direct contribution. Um, so yeah, when when there's that purpose that's built into your day to day work, and you know what the outcome is going to be, and people appreciate it, it it sometimes it doesn't even feel like work. Like you do it. You do it out of your own passion and uh, just wanting to help people and make things better for everyone. Right, and do you focus on, I was kind of on your website and some of the clients that you have on there, do you focus on small businesses or is it really just whoever gets referred to you? Predominantly small businesses. We definitely look for fit when before we work with clients. 
Uh, we do have a few mid-sized companies, but they, again, they're still over-managed businesses. They've just you know, either grown really fast to where they're at, they're at or, uh, or it's been a business that's been around for decades. So the more established. Right. And that makes a huge difference too, like you said, like then you have the connection and the relationship as opposed to just having like a whole lineup of big companies that don't really Absolutely. care who you are. <laughs> yeah. Um, and obviously quitting a nine to five, which is stable and everything, starting your own business could be risky. So do you have any advice for people who are thinking about it? Yeah, I mean there's a million things you need to consider, but I think the biggest thing is probably financial stability and having comfort that you know you're not going to run out of money. I think that's the biggest fear that people have. It's like, how do I maintain my lifestyle? How do I pay my bills? You know, and, and that that is very stressful. And I remember, like for for myself, um, I had saved about a plan for eight or nine months of expenses. So I put the money aside, and I blew through. I blew through that cash in like six months, five, six months. Right. And I remember like it was October of, uh, of um, 2015, I was waking up at like two, three in the morning, like three nights in a row. I was like, how am I gonna pay my rent, right? And I mean, we made sacrifices. Like I would say you need, you need to be very uh, mindful of your, your spending, your ins and your outs. So budgeting becomes a very important exercise. And I think for anyone starting out, um, see if, you know, start doing that right away and see um, if you can stick to your budget on a month-to-month basis for like at least three to four months. Uh, that way, that way, um, you can catch any surprises and, and you kind of you can kind of learn like how to budget pros, uh, you know, budget properly. And so that when you when you actually leave and your income is down to zero, <laughs> you know, because it will be for a while, um, then then you can have you can feel a lot better about the situation. I think you're just more you're better prepared. Um, now for us, like I'm, I'm married, like my wife and I, we got married in fall of 2014 and literally a month later, I was like, nah, I think I'm going to do my job. <laughs> right. <laughs> like for better or for worse, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I was like, I want to give myself a, a good shot at this to succeed. And I knew that changes had to be made in our lives. And, you know, we were living a pretty lavish lifestyle, like both of us earning six figure incomes and, you know, we own a condo downtown, we were driving like a high-end Audi, right. <laughs> eating out all the time, like those were the three biggest expenses. And when we went through this budgeting exercise, I'm like, okay, well, if we cut all that out, um, we'd save like six grand a month or something like that. It was something stupid. And so we did that. We I rented, we rented out our condo to someone. We moved into my friend's condo um, and saved um, our living costs, like cut in half, our rent cut in half. My brother moved in with us and paid us another 500 a month, right? We, we stopped eating out, like we ate out maybe twice a week, um, got rid of the car, you know, that doing all that, like just the three changes uh, made a huge difference. And I was basically able to cover my bills, no problem. But you know, there were still things that came up and still ran out of cash after six months. So that, that's just the reality of it. But um, yeah, I think developing that habit of budgeting is, is key. Totally, but I think that's important for anybody, like whether or not you're gonna start a business or you are running your own business or even you just have a normal job because it's crazy how fast like little things add up. Mm-hmm. Like my, my dad's an accountant, he had his own firm. So I grew up 
being like, here's your Excel spreadsheet, like keep track of your receipts. Like that's my whole life has been like that. And so uh, just looking at like the little things, you're just like, oh, like 20 bucks here, 20 bucks there, 100 bucks. Like you just like, and all of a sudden you're just like, that's like like 2,000 bucks on just like nothing. Like you like, oh, I really need two lattes today kind of thing. But like you don't need it. And you save a lot of money if you actually just pay attention to it. And like you said, it's a good habit to get into. And it's funny because they don't do a good job teaching people how to budget in school, right? And then you come out of school and you're earning a lot of money. And, and then as long as you're, I don't know, I think I feel like a lot of people spend based on their emotions and their feelings. And like, you know, as long as the money keeps coming in, you, you don't really care how it's leaving your, your bank account, right? Yeah, well then it's like fun. Like you have money, you're just like, wow, like we can go on this trip and we can have a nice car and we can do all this. And you just feel like you don't need to yeah, no, and always being, a, come. being an accountant, like that's probably shocking here, but I, I bet you like a lot of accountants out there, even finance guys, um, live lifestyles that like they have lifestyles that are like that, and that's how they live their life, and they probably aren't saving enough for retirement. Totally. Well, and even I know a lot of people when the economy crashed in Calgary, and everyone was living in oil and gas salaries, and all of a sudden they had all these houses and cars that they couldn't actually afford, mm-hmm. which caused a lot of, which is obviously a very dramatic, like example, but. It happens, kind of thing. It is an accounting firm, which can be not as exciting as other startup businesses, but uh, how would you say that Big Rally stands out from other accounting firms in the city? Absolutely. We're, we really pride ourselves in, in being leaders in cloud accounting. Um, it's, it's still a growing, it's a new industry. It's, it's growing really rapidly. Uh, we were one of, we're one of the top five firms in Canada. When it comes to cloud accounting, and I'd say probably the top in, in Alberta right. uh, in our space. Oh, so we're mean? so a cloud accounting firm. Um, you know, we can work mobile um, from anywhere. We serve all of our clients digitally. There's no paper involved. So all that is possible just because of the IT infrastructure that, that that's there to support it. We don't have to be tied down to any particular location, and all the records are digitized. And the tools that we use are tied into like bank accounts and credit cards, and, and we can retrieve a lot of um, statements, bank statements and whatnot electronically. So it's just a new way of, of doing your accounting and software is built to be very easy to use, very efficient. Um, our clients invoice out of it, um, record their expenses in it, report payments, and you can integrate payments and everything and all the apps can also uh, there's a huge ecosystem out there that uh, tie into the accounting software, so you know it, your business just works um, through through software. So we're you know we're we're really pushing boundaries and testing new ideas, trying new software all the time. Your traditional accounting firm are still dealing with receipts and boxes of paper um, and software that's tied to a computer. So if the office burns down and they don't have proper backups, they're screwed. and people have to be in the office because that's where all the data is right yeah which i feel we're now moving away from that i mean we're sitting in a co-working space so this is obviously this Mm -hmm. is what you're talking about is that you can be anywhere yeah and then accountants are traditionally very um they silo themselves from from you know um, other accountants it's not a very collaborative industry not like the beer not like the craft beer industry so I'm trying to bring that the craftier mindset into the accounting industry. Like I'm out there speaking on panels and doing presentations and all that to the accounting community through 
to our software partner Zero, and it's something that you know I think it blows some people's minds because they're like, really? Like, you're, why are you keeping us all your trade secrets? And I don't care. Like, this is what we're doing. How you execute it is not going to be like how we do it. And even if that's the case, there's way more business out there than what any of us can can provide to our clients or prospects. So, I think I think. Um, we bring a different mindset definitely to the game and we're not afraid to fail. We, we try things all the time. We, we fail all the time, not all the time, but like things don't work sometimes and we're okay with that. And, and, but that, that's, I think that's what's needed to build a certain culture. Um, you know, we want to promote people, promote, you know, encourage people to try different things and, and really bring in some of the creativity into, into accounting because it's not traditionally one of those industries that where you can do that. Unless you're trying to do something illegal or right. <laughs> but yeah, it's really you know all of this is really driven off of one of our core values, which is uh, yeah, no, that's awesome. And I feel like just even as technology changes and like social media and just marketing, even just like a younger crowd of like startup businesses and everything, it's good to just stay on top of that because even if they were to walk into the kind of firm, it's like oh, here's all your papers, and it's like in this old building, and you're just like seems. Mm-hmm. Like, you're like, I'd rather someone who's, like, on top of everything that's happening and how to make my business run mm-hmm. as efficiently as possible with, like, the tools that are available, uh, which is awesome. Um, and we'll get into the beer part of it, but uh, just a little bit more on accounting and financials, because I feel like a lot of people who listen to this are small business owners or who are looking to start a business. So uh, what would you say are some of the biggest issues that business owners face when it comes to financials and accounting, like, in general or when they start up or... Just an overarching generalization is I, I don't think they appreciate it enough. Um, and then without that appreciation, you, you just don't know what the habits that you need are. So, you know, it's very important to stay organized. Um, and, and that will facilitate you being able to get your books done in a timely manner, which drives a lot of um, decision making as long as you understand your numbers. So, understanding. You know, if you have monthly books, okay, what does that give you? That gives me um, financial statements. What can I do with those financial statements? Um, I can drive value to my business because I can make decisions that, if I didn't have the numbers, could kill my business, drive run into the ground. Um, and then just understanding the value of the possibilities of having all that work, you know, uh, fluidly. Uh, there's a there's an analogy I like to make. It's I think a lot of small businesses can operate without looking ahead. Um, you know, you can be at a certain point where you can do that, but once you, you know, depending on your business, once you hit the three, four, five hundred thousand dollar revenue mark, it's it becomes really, really risky to not to not know enough when you're making business decisions. So the analogy, going back to the analogy, is um, if you're driving a car, you wouldn't drive a car without looking forward. Or like you wouldn't drive a car by just looking at your rear view mirror. Your accounting data um, when you're doing your bookkeeping only gives you data regarding what's happened in the past. Like if you're closing your books for August, it's probably already September and all the numbers you're looking at are historical. So it gives you, it doesn't give you any insight as to what's going to happen in October, November, December for the next 12 months, 24 months. The faster you're driving your car, the farther you're going to want to see ahead. 
and um, you can't see ahead unless you have the habits to build up that back end to support the forecasting and the budgeting, so the your ability to look forward. Yeah, I like that. That's the analogy yeah. I like to make, and uh, if if you understand that um, and you're on top of that, I, th I think you'd be very successful. Right. Yeah, which makes makes sense. If you're prepared, then there's a tree that comes up in front of your car, and you'll be able to get around it. <laughs> yeah, and not not like right away. Like you'll spot that tree. 12 months out, right. 10 months out, and it gives you time to plan into that situation, right? right? If, if there's a looming recession that's coming, and you know it's coming, and you know that maybe your friends are like, oh, we were through the last recession, and we saw 30, 30% hit in our top line. Well, now you have that data, uh, you know where you're sitting, you know what 30% is gonna do to your business. Then you can adjust some of your expenses, your, your spending, or you can build up um, a different marketing strategy going into that that recession. Right. No, that's so smart. Um, and if someone can't hire like you per se, if they're a small business or just starting a business, what are some of the things they can do as a business owner? Um, I guess you kind of answered that, but to make things easier for themselves, like is there tools or anything besides staying organized and looking ahead? Yeah, I, the tools are a huge thing. They they are designed like cloud tools these days. Are designed for efficiency and simplicity. So the accounting system that we use for all of our clients is zero. Um, and then with your receipts, we use Receipt Bank um, or HubDoc. And those those pieces of software allow you to capture all of your invoices or your receipts like digitally, like with a camera on your phone. Or if you get receipts through email, you can forward it to the app and integrate the app with the accounting platform so that it does your data entry for you. So it saves you a lot of manual uh, input. And for an accounting firm, that makes a big deal because if we automate that kind of stuff, then it gives us, it frees up a lot of our time to be able to spend more time with our clients on more like advisory services. Right. And 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 so your dollar, when you, when you spend that dollar on an accounting firm that uses these tools, you get more value for for that dollar, instead of having most of it go through data entry, right? Right. Um, yeah, I think Zero has very good training videos. Like if you go to the website, it's all free. Um, but I would say you know learn how to reconcile a bank account. The videos on Zero's website cover that. Um, you know know how to issue invoices or payments of invoices. These are very basic things anyone should be able to pick it up within an hour or two. Um, and then I, I always say like spend, you know, pay for a professional accountant's time, like even if it's an hour or two, once or twice a year, just to make sure that you're on the right track. It, you'll see tremendous value in, in doing that. So do, you know, hire someone for an hour, maybe when you start out and then maybe halfway through the year, um, bring them in again for an hour or two. Or if your best friend's an accountant, professional accountant, right. <laughs> you know, buy them a coffee or a beer. Right, totally. <laughs> Well, it's better to like invest that time and that money rather than something go wrong. You don't really realize it until like three years down the road, and then you owe way more money than it would have cost you to. It's it's an expensive, it's an expensive lesson to learn if you really mess things up. Totally. Like I have um, a client, it wasn't a client at the time, but their previous provider, they weren't professionals. They messed up their tax returns, and the CRA came back and assessed them half a million dollars in taxes. And 
it put them into bankruptcy and it's so sad because she was an immigrant spent 30 years building up this business in canada in calgary and was hit with this huge tax bill right you know obviously her, her business was still very profitable so she ran it while she was in bankruptcy um but it basically sucked her retirement savings right you know overnight basically that's crazy and something that can be avoided yeah, done properly, hire the right people. Yeah, totally. Okay, let's talk about beer now. Counting stuff is over with. <laughs> uh, so when and why did you decide to go into brewing? Because you brew your own beer, right? It's not just the yeah. like, resell, you actually brew your own. Yeah. Yeah, so my buddies and I, we've been friends for over 10 years. And I think the group we have now, we've been, um, we've always been drinking buddies. It just came out started with a passion for beer and then you know drinking every weekend with each other midweek and one day we were like hmm what would it be like to brew our own beer because we're drinking so much of it (laughs) (laughs) so i'd say three to four years ago uh we put together our team there were initially eight of us uh, on this project and now we're down to five but uh, we got together we we had a very structured schedule got together every wednesday and we brew in the evenings out of my my buddy um, buddy's garage, and then in winter time we would it was too cold, so we would brew inside the house, like in the kitchen, or <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so we, we did it religiously, like every Wednesday, and it would take up like five or six hours um, right. of our time every every week. And then um, we also entered some of our beers into local competitions, homebrew competitions. And, there'd be 30 or 40 different beers in these competitions and we took home second and third place a couple of times for some of our beer and, and at that point we were like well you know we should probably take this a bit more seriously and dial in you know what we're doing and maybe commercialize this as quick as we can and that was the time when craft beer was really starting to take off in Calgary like I think when we had started um, there were less than 10 breweries yeah. Now we're up to like 45 in right. just in Calgary. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like it just, it was just one thing leading to the next, like executing the right things and, and being successful at it, leading, leading to where we're at today, where we're contract brewing out of a major facility, right. state of the art facility, and um, selling our beers to liquor stores across the province and bars and restaurants. Yeah. You know, we've got four products on the market right now. That's awesome. And so how did you, like, did you know anything about brewing beer? Like, how did you create one that actually tasted good? Like, what's kind of like the process of doing that? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of trial and error. And I actually, when we first started, I had zero knowledge on how to brew beer. I knew the ingredients, but I didn't know what the process was from getting those ingredients into the machinery to, to get the end product. I knew there was yeast involved to ferment it somehow, but like, you know, steps eight, like one to 10, I had no idea. So I, I really like um, leaned heavily on, on the rest of my team members. Like Jackson and Mel, my other co-founders, they've been homebrewing for over 10 years. Okay. And, you know, they, they had a handful of recipes that they were very happy with and they were brewing. Um, but, you know, all the recipes we have today are, are quite different than what they've been brewing. You know, we go through, we have very high quality standards, so we go through uh, quite a few iterations before 
before we get to a product that we're happy with commercializing. You know, with our first product, for example, the IPA, I think we probably proved that like a dozen times before we had things dialed in. Right. Um, same with our pale ale and, and our porter, which was probably one of the most frustrating proofs because <laughs> we like brewed it, the water didn't seem right, so the end product didn't seem right, and it was like I think we dumped a few batches because it, it was just like not drinkable. Right. Got frustrated with it, so we're like, okay, fuck it, we'll we'll uh, come back in a few months' time, and then uh, when we finally got back to it, we still brewed it a handful of times before before we got to what it is now, which is a, a very very nice porter. Right. <laughs> and so, did you use equipment that your buddy already had, or like? Yeah, no, we uh, we we went to a local homebrew store. Oh, okay. In Calgary. And in Calgary, yeah. And we all pitched in a few hundred dollars, so I think it was two thousand dollars that we invested in in the homebrew equipment. Right. Much smaller scale. You're brewing like twenty liters at a time. Right. And it's, it's still a lot of beer if you're brewing every week. Like we were getting to this, we were getting to the point where we couldn't drink our beer fast enough, so we had to stop brewing for for a few weeks. <laughs> Even like giving it away, it's like, oh, right, you know, yeah, it's just a lot of beer. Totally. Um, and where did the name come from? So, the five of us, we're all corporate, we have corporate backgrounds, mm -hmm. and we were always inspired by 80s and 90s action films. How there's always the ominous evil corporation in the background, right? Resident <laughs> Evil, you've got your umbrella court, yeah, totally. <laughs> and we thought it'd be a funny thing to just also poke fun of like actual evil corporations out there, like the big companies that are out there that are doing evil stuff. Right. <laughs> but you know, as a company ourselves, we're, we're anything but evil. So there's a bit of tongue in cheek in there. Right. And play on words. Yeah, no, that's funny. Um, and since you already started your own business, like starting with Rally, how did that experience change maybe the way that you started? Was there any, like, where you're like, oh, we learned this lesson? Like, I know they're very different industries, but did you have any experience from there that you took to start the, the second business? Yeah, I think most of the skills and knowledge transferred over quite well. Um, I'd say my the approach was, uh, I focused more on the high, high level, like, strategy stuff. Um, so, you know, the things that you need to, need to think about are very similar no matter what business you're dealing with. And it's just about asking the right questions. Now, like the liquor industry, for example, has a lot of nuances. So, so here's an example. It's not about knowing what those nuances are, but rather knowing that you have nuances to deal with, right? right. So just at a high level, then you, you have your team members who can dive into the, the details or your, your, your architects and your lawyers who can deal, deal with the details. But you have to know that, okay, there are nuances here that you need to, to manage. So I, I think, I think, I think from, yeah, from a strategy perspective, it's transfers over quite well. Finance and accounting is, it, it is what it is. Um, I know you have a service-based business with accounting, but, um, and then the, the beer business is all products. So, you know, you've got to deal with inventory, which is a challenge on its own, but, um, you know, I'm an accountant, so it's not really anything that has just more numbers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure you like it since you clearly want to keep like learning and stuff, but I'm sure you like the challenge of having to then like deal with different types of business. Yeah, but you know, even that kind of stuff, I consider that like in the weeds. So 
it's funny because our bookkeeping for the, the beer business, uh, we outsourced it to my accounting firm. Right. So my team deals with it. I, right. I don't do my accounting. Right. Interesting. Because <laughs> I need to, when you're running two businesses, you really need to prioritize what's important and, and focus on the right things. You can't, you can't be in the weeds as much. Right. There's just not enough hours in a day. Yeah, totally. Right. Well, and since like, do the accounting for other people then you're like well I'll focus on like the beer so I'm sure that's why you started this because of the beer rather than like the extra mm-hmm. accounting that you're gonna have to do right um and just talking about being like an entrepreneur in general since you were well versed in it what have been your biggest obstacles and then lessons learned since quitting your job yeah I feel like every step of the way is there's you know at least one or two stumbling blocks if I were to just walk you quickly through our startup journey, you know, the first year it was all about getting our ideas to stick on board and like being able to pivot really quick because we had to get enough clients into the door and we were taking on anything that we could we could get. Right. And and it took a while before we nailed down our pitch and our the service offering to our clients. Um, and then we got to the point where okay, we can do all the work ourselves. Randy, my business partner, and I. So we had to hire staff. Now once you hire staff, it becomes, you know, the thing that you're trying to meet is payroll, right? So it's stressful, like checking up on your cash and making sure that you have enough cash to pay your employee. Then you hire more staff. And then, <laughs> so that, that adds, you know, another layer of complexity. You've got to start um, looking at yourself as a leader and building a culture. You, you want to be in an environment where people respect you and want to work for you and or work with you. and and the culture of the business is somewhere that they want to be, they want to wake up every morning, they're happy to be at work. And, you know, that's very hard to do. Um, and then, you know, fast forward a couple of years later, you're like, okay, shit, all these processes I've built in the last two years, they don't work anymore. We're too big. Like everything's falling apart. What the heck's going on? So then you have to come up with better processes. And now I guess you have your team members involved who can help with that, but um, it's constantly changing. And then, you know, now we're at a stage where a lot of our clients are asking for, uh, they have increasing needs because they've been with us for a while. They've like two times their business and now they need more services from us. And so I have to, we have to figure out how we're going to offer those services to our clients with the resources and the current team that we have. You know, fortunately it's leading us down a path where we're just going to be happy. Like we just have to hire more people with the right skills. And you know, like this year we're going to double our team by 50% by the end of the year. You know, and, and on top of that, you've got your government doing what they do, right. messing around, <laughs> fucking up tax rates, whatever, yeah. uh, getting rid of, rid of business incentives. And so it's just, what I've learned is it's just a constant uphill battle. And the excitement of it all is, as an entrepreneur, is you don't know what's going to be coming. Um, but it's, 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 it's a lot of fun. Like, if, if, you're, if you're the type of person who likes to accept these types of challenges, it's, life is never dull. Yeah, no kidding. That's what it sounds like. Um, and would you say there's a difference? Like, is there a preference that you had from starting a business with one other person and then starting a business with like eight people? Is there, I mean, it's different when it's like a passion project and your friends, but would you say there was challenges or benefits from either? Yeah, they always say, um, they, but there's a saying out there. It's like, if you want to go fast, do it alone. If you want to go far, you know, do it with someone else right. or a team. And I, I think, I, I don't know if I have enough of a drive to, to be successful on my own. 
think there have been so many moments where I've had to lean on my partners um, just to get through rough times. Even basic things like, um, you know, there, you go through a lot of ups and downs, and when you're when you're going through your gown, your troughs. Um, I know a lot of like solopreneurs can get stuck there for like a month, and you know that's detrimental if you're trying to start up a business. If you lose a month of time and productivity, uh, that that's the end of your business. You just can't afford that. And I've seen it so many times out there. And you know, fortunately, when I'm in my slump, my business partner is on his peak, and we balance each other out nicely. Um, and we also don't let each other stay in that trough for too long, uh, like you know, one or two days max. I, I think I think there are a lot of benefits, and, and just having like a different uh, perspective on on issues that you're dealing with, right. it's huge. Like, how many times do people say it's lonely being an entrepreneur? Right. It's it's nice that we're working in an environment here that work nicer, where it's very collaborative, and you know you have you're dealing with um, other business owners on a day to day basis, like just grabbing a coffee or whatever. So so you have the support here, but you know if you're not working in an environment like this, like What's, what are your alternatives? Yeah, totally. That's very true. Um, and did you have a business coach or like some sort of outside strategist to help you like while growing your business or like when you're hiring or like restructuring the process or is it kind of just like we'll figure it out as we go? No, we definitely have peers who've been through the process before to help guide us. They're not formal mentors. Right. They're just there to, you know, like Sean Freeman was a, you know, gave us some very good advice in our, our first couple of years. Um, and we wouldn't, I, I don't think we'd be where we're at now if, if we didn't get that one piece of advice, which is, it was a simple question. It was like, how many people do you know, know what you're doing right now? And, and the answer was maybe 5%, 10%. So it got us on our asses to get on LinkedIn to be like, hey everyone, don't know if you know, but I'm no longer at the firm. I just ventured off on my own, um, doing my own thing. Let's connect, have a coffee, and I'll tell you all about it, something like that, right? And then once yeah. the word got around, because um, you've built, you know, as a professional, you, you built you build yourself a reputation up to a certain point. And at the time, I had over a thousand connections on LinkedIn, like true connections, not like people, random people had yeah, you, totally. right? So, so when that got around, like, we started getting referrals like every week, like three to four, and it it it, it, it was incredible. Right. Yeah. Just so one simple question. Yeah. That's. I know. I was like thinking about it. I was like, oh god. I was like, I don't think I'm wanting to answer that question. Actually, Sean is the one that recommended we reach out to you. To be on the podcast. Oh, nice. So, <laughs> um, couple more questions. So you have two companies that you run yourself, and you have a wife, and like obviously your personal life. So how do you balance? your time and your brain between everything. Yeah, my schedule and my life is driven around priorities. Uh, a lot of people, you know, look at what I do and they're like, how do you have enough hours in a day to do what you're doing? And I'm like, that's, that's not the right question. It's it's not about how many hours I have, it's, it's how I'm spending the hours in the day, right? I don't watch a lot of TV. When my friends are watching TV and they're talking about it, you know, how many hours is that? Like one TV show, I probably read, or a movie in an evening, I probably read one or two books in that time. That's personal development. All of these hours you invest in yourself on a personal development level, there is a return on investment on that time. 
and you know that's that's what I'm doing with my time like I'm very mindful of how I use my time and, and you have to be like I said going back like you can't you have to focus on the right things um, so you got to be very strategic very like big picture thinking and know what the key things that you need to focus on like you can't be too much too much in the weeds right I mean it's tough with the accounting business because we started in the weeds and and when you start at that point it's it's hard it really is hard to, to step out of it um, but once you have a team it, it helps a lot right no I think that's I 100% agree with you which actually makes me feel better because I don't watch TV either and we don't really watch movies and people are like have you seen this Netflix show I'm like no they're like what about this one I'm like no they're like what do you do I'm like not watch Netflix I'm like I don't know why you're spending eight hours watching a whole season but and then you're bitching about your life and you know why you're not happy <laughs> totally they're like oh I wish I could start my own business I wish I could do this I wish I could do that it's like like yeah, yeah you can, you can. <laughs> yeah. You, what are you doing with those eight hours like when you're done your nine to five like, totally. you have another eight hours that you can spend. I, I mean, some some nights I don't. I get like maybe four or five hours of sleep a night. Right. But you know, I try to balance it. I you know make up for it another night or on the weekend or whatever. I, I know when to turn my brain off. Um, but yeah, there, there's a lot of time in a day that you can spend, and it's just a matter of how you spend that time. And 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 the thing is, you get more efficient at, at how you spend that time too, right? right? Like reading, for example, it used to take me like a week to read a book, but now like I've learned how to speed read. Right. And I can get I can get through a two hundred page novel in like just over an hour. Oh. So right, <laughs> it's just practice. Like we all can read, so it's just. And how much practice. knowledge is in, in like in books? Totally. Right, like you're you're taking what other people have have learned and put into practice, and you're you're internalizing that and and, and benefiting off of that. Totally. Actually, that's why I love podcasts too because you can have them going literally all the time. Like when you're driving, like at the gym, I listen to podcasts, and like all the time, I listen to podcasts because it you can do two things at once then, mm-hmm. um, which is awesome. Um, since you just mentioned books, is there a book or podcast that you recommend listeners, or a couple? Uh, podcasts I like to have running sometimes is um, anything from Joe Rogan, his mm-hmm. Joe Rogan experience. I I really enjoy the perspective that his his. Um, his uh, interviewees or people he bring on brings on his show, um, what how how they see things. That that's that's the only reason why I, I listen to it. It's just mm-hmm. for perspective. When he has the most random people on it, yeah. Then all of them have, and because I think because of the episodes are so long, yeah. Because usually like podcasts are normally like an hour or whatever, but his are like three hours. So I feel like they actually get into what they how they believe and what they believe in. Yeah, absolutely. Like. For the longest time, like Bernie Sanders was on was on his podcast last month, and you know I was, I always thought he was like some kooky old crazy man, and right. <laughs> but when he was on the show, I was like, dang, this guy like speaks a lot of um, things that make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Like, he's completely different than what the media, uh, or even like when he's like out there campaigning, um, what t- what what TV shows him to be, right? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I, I think that's probably the only one I, I listen to. I, sometimes I like to work in silence. It's kind of weird. And I don't even notice that I'm working in a silent environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, did you ask me about books? In books, yeah. Yeah, I haven't. So these days I've been, you know, I've done the whole personal development thing. Those, 
you know, there's a handful of books that you read, and then after a while, you start to realize, oh, they're all touching on the same themes, yeah. uh, same ideas. So, but what what it's led me down, um, the path it's led me down is is just learning more about philosophy, and so I've been reading more about Eastern versus Western philosophy, and I'm trying to draw parallels between the two. So. What, what got me down that path when my friend, he's really into philosophy and he carries, the one book he carries with him all the time is Bruce Lee's uh, Striking Thoughts. And okay. so Bruce Lee, you know, he was a, he was very into philosophy as well. And you can kind of see that through his teachings. But he, what, what's nice about that book is he summarizes uh, quotes from, from famous philosophers uh, back in the day. Um, so that, you know, that led me to Eastern philosophy like Lao Tzu and Confucius. And then on the Western philosophy front, uh, you start, I got started to get into Stoicism and some of the authors there are like Marcus Aurelius, Seneca, and uh, Epictetus. Um, very, very profound thoughts there and teachings. And I'm not, I'm not saying like go become a Stoic, but like, you know, some of the ideas there, um, if you can adapt them to modern, you know, modern life and how society is run, I think there are some benefits there. Yeah, I've heard there's a couple of podcasts I listen to, and the people on it talk about there's like a, a daily stoicism book or something where it's like every day you read like a new like little mm-hmm. chapter for I don't know what the actual book is called. I guess we don't. There's one called I think uh, something Principles by Ray Dalio. Okay, maybe that's what it is, and they just read like a like one page a day kind of thing, and it sets their day up for just like changing their mindset going into their day, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is very interesting. There's no right or wrong answers. It's just. Totally. Perspective. Totally. And keeping an open mind, and I feel like the more you read and the more you learn about them, you can like adjust your own mindset based on Yeah. You apply what works for you and what you believe and what fits your values. Totally. Yeah. Um, and where can people find you, connect with you, anything? Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, business related, just uh, add me on LinkedIn. And for my personal shit, go to my Instagram. I think that's the only one I really use. I hate Facebook. I, I have it, but I hate it. Yeah. And uh, I have Twitter, but I don't even know. So Instagram, Juan underscore Lee. Awesome. And can people buy Evil Court beer in stores or where can they? Yeah, it's, it's hard to find, it? but if you can find it, yeah. uh, we are in select co-ops, Liquor Depots, Safeway Sobeys, uh, Willow Parks is in Highlander, all across the province. Oh, that's a lot of places. I thought you were going to be like, there's one store. Yeah, the problem like, is it's hard to find yeah. um, because they'll carry maybe one or two flats and, mm-hmm. you know, there's only if six customers walk in that day and pick up one. Right. You're, yeah. Right, it's kind of like a hit or miss whether it's going to be there. Yeah, so craft beer, a lot of uh, retailers like to to cycle through different right. products. So, you know, we might, we might be on the shelves like once every month or once every two months right. in limited quantities. Um, yeah, in terms of bars and restaurants, I think you go to you can go to Madison's, we're on there permanently. Um, and also 1410, uh, 16, like that whole group, like yeah. like three three locations. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then Beer Revolution always has us in uh, quite often. So. Cool. Hoping to get into craft again for fall quarter. Yeah. 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 No kidding. Yeah. How do they just like how was the process like for getting into restaurants and like craft and stuff? Is it's, it like an application? It's very or? much no. It's very much relationship driven. Right. Who you know. Right. As everybody yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. Well, we hopefully get in there, but 
everyone else can find you. Thanks so much for sharing. It's been very covered a lot of ground. Yeah, so. yeah. In an hour, just under an hour. Just under an hour. Yeah, yeah. I know. That was awesome. Thank you. It was fun. Thanks for having me.